my, 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 my kids give me a hard time because they say it looks like I'd be driving in Florida. I just call her the old, old people driving in Florida. But I take it bad. Everything in there, all the kids, everybody piled in, heading someplace. That's how we, we're, we're talking about dad. When, when you leave today, make sure you get a gift. We've got a gift for every dad, so the ushers will be distributing those. Um, I heard somebody already got theirs. They're distributing, they're all out there quick. Listen, um, we've been talking about F words. And F words are normally words that we struggle with. They're those words with the chalkboard and the whole nine yards, like the sound going down, they, they are uttered. Some words mean different things to other people. Leave different effects. I need two volunteers. Two, two volunteers who want to eat. Two volunteers who want to eat and don't have any problem expressing what something tastes like in their mouth. I need two. Two, two. Come on. You got to be expressive. All right, Paul, come on down here. Tim, two dads. Let's give our dads a hand. They're living the dad life. All right, all right. Some things leave great tastes. Some thoughts, some words at their mere utterance leave a nice. I don't know who I'm going to give which one to. Now, I need for you guys to help me. You've got to help me a ton. And here's, why, here's how you've got to help me, okay? We, you're, you need to tell your face what this tastes like so the rest of us can gauge it, okay? If you really like it, make sure your face knows about it. Enjoy every bit of it. Whatever happens, let, let your face do all the talking for you. Can you do that for me? Can you help me there? Give, give these guys, cheer these guys on for a minute. They can do it, can't they? It might be similar. Let me see what I got here. Okay. Paul. Are you ready? Open your mouth real wide. I'm not going to let you see it or hold it ahead of time. I just want you just to let us know how this feels, what it tastes like, what kind of... Are you with me? Are you ready? Open wide. Mm. Mm, come on, brother. Is that good stuff, huh? Mmm. Mmm. All right. All right, Tim, are you ready? Are you ready for the challenge, my brother? Huh? In faith. <laughs> Open wide. Are you ready? How's that, how's that feeling for you? Is it good? What's it taste like? <laughs> some kind of sour apple gummy bear? Mm, that rumbling around in there good? See, some things leave that nice chocolate caramel cookie. Mmm. And then some things about life leave that. Mmm. 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 It's in there stuck in there pretty good, ain't it, brother? Hmm. Mmm. Thanks, gentlemen. It's got these are dads. Give them a hand. But fatherhood can be like that. See, some of us sitting here today, thinking of fatherhood in this day, does the Paul thing. I'm so glad I have the opportunity to be a dad. I'm so glad I had the dad that I have. I, you know, some of us are over here and going, dude, I hate this day. I just, I'm a total flub up. My dad was horrible. I don't even know. I'm just, 
and you got to just like Tim, you got that stuff stuck in there. And no matter what you do, you can't get rid of it. Fatherhood can be that. Well, I can remember. I can remember when I found out Rachel was pregnant. I almost told her that the same thing in the first service. I almost said we were pregnant. Every wife knows the dads don't get pregnant. Um, that was supposed to be a joke. And I was like, yeah, that's right. You know, you don't know nothing about being pregnant, boy. I remember finding out when Rachel was pregnant for the first time. And the very first thing in my heart and my mind was, oh, yeah. And it was that chocolate. Mm. And then just like within minutes, there was that, oh, crud. Oh, every decision I make is oh that's pressure oh that's intense oh and th- that kind of got combination of that sweet and sour kind of oh you know what i mean and some of us today are dealing with those same kind of thoughts and feelings fatherhood can be that way we've 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 been uh involved in in, in relationships and family things that have that have really messed us up and torn us up and we're dealing with the sweet and the sour some of you are sitting here today, and it's an F word to you because you've received some the treatment you received from your father, the abuse, the words, the frustration. Some of you, fatherhood is an F word to you because you just really think you have just screwed up major royal. You have messed up your kids' lives. You have messed up your grandkids' lives. You've messed up your family's life. It will never be the same but I'm here to tell you that today, the grace of God is sufficient. Satan's worked hard to tarnish the, the, the image of fatherhood in our country, hasn't he, in our lives, in our culture. Tarnished it bad. Most of us, I want to read you something. Some of you guys relate to this. Brian Corbin wrote this, and uh, I, was, I, I saw it last night, and I thought, man, that goes right with my message. So I printed it out, and I brought it with me. It's called The Heart of a Man. It reads like this. Sometimes a man looks in the mirror and doesn't recognize the person he sees. Sometimes the hurt in a loved one's face makes a man feel like a failure. Sometimes a man speaks and he hates the sound of his own voice. Sometimes the only way a man knows how to express his fear is through anger. And sometimes what a man cannot provide is a source of humiliation. Sometimes a man tries to blaze his own path and gets lost in the shadows of the trees. Sometimes a man invests his sense of worth in things that ultimately make him feel bankrupt sometimes a man tries to carry the way of the world and it crushes him and sometimes a man wonders if all of his efforts really make any difference sometimes a man's heart breaks and it doesn't make a sound sometimes a man needs to be reminded that he he is only a child in the eyes of his father and that nothing depends on his perfection. Today, dads, today, children, today, Christians, I want to help you realize that though there may be things around us that on some occasions have left very good taste in our mouths, there have been things that have left sour taste in our mouths, God is here to redeem all of it. He's charted a course for us when we're to walk and to be. Let's talk about fatherhood for a minute. This next F word we talk about. Fatherhood, it's a noun, and it talks about this. Let me, let me, let me look back. I'm sorry. Let, let, 
Throw that quote up on the screen, John, if you could, that next slide. It says this. Think about this in reference to the, 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 the United States and our culture. The U.S. is becoming an increasingly fatherless society. A generation ago, an American child could reasonably expect to grow up with his or her father. Today, an American child can reasonably expect not to. Fatherlessness is now approaching a rough parody with fatherhood as a defining feature of American childhood. I'd say the lack of good fatherhood is a defining feature in the culture of American childhood. What we're praying for, I just, I, I saw Dow over here a little bit ago, and I see Dan sitting over here, and I know a couple of the, the brown boys help out in children's ministry. Dave Miller does. You know what, guys? If you're not a dad today, and you're just like, well, this doesn't even really affect me. Oh, yes, it does. See, because as a follower of Christ, whether you're a biological dad or not, you are called to help somebody along this path we call Christianity. And you know what we need in children's ministry? We need some doggone, Holy Spirit-filled, faithful men of God who will get involved in the life of a child and say, you know what, I'm going to show them what a dad looks like. I'm going to show them not what a dad looks like. I'm going to show them what the dad looks like. I'm going to be there in the middle of it. We could use any guy. You guys who, are, who, who love Christ, who are faithful to your wives, who are doing everything you can, you're trying to find your spot, why don't you go be a monitor in children's ministry? Why don't you go get involved and, and become a teacher if you've got those kind of skills and abilities? Why don't you give one Sunday a month and, and try and build a relationship with some child who doesn't maybe have a father figure to draw from? You could become that. Wouldn't that be cool? So none of us are off the hook today. Some of you may not be even biologically male, so you're thinking, I'm going to check out. No, this is just like that parenthood series we did back in May. It applies, to, it applies to all of us. You know why? Because all of us are called to be influencers in the lives of other people. We are called to be those who grab some dude by the hand, say, man, let's walk this thing out together. I don't even know your name. What's your name, man? AJ? Nice to have you. Give AJ a hand. Would you do that? I just put him on the spot. That normally doesn't happen, but you were there, so it's good. Is that cool? All right, man. So here's what we need. We need you to be involved in what God's doing, every one of you. And we need you to apply the scripture. It's funny today, we're talking about fatherhood, and I, I got these definitions I want to I share with you. And to talk about what fatherhood is, fatherhood is a state of being a father. We know that. The next one I like is called, it says, fathers collectively. What you just saw walking out of the garage was a fatherhood. But here's the funny thing. Dads, you can't be a loner and get by in this life. You are never going to be the dad, a 100% perfect father. And you need other men in your life. You'd be a part of the fatherhood. You get involved in a men's group that meets on Wednesday night at Brian, with Brian Weisscup at Keith Woods' house. You become a part of men's breakfast on Saturday mornings and get a part because where you lack, some other guy has some wisdom and some life experience, and we need you to be a part of the fatherhood so we can walk this thing out together. And the funny thing is, some of you sitting right here have some things to share with me that I need to be a better father. And if you don't make yourself available to those kinds of things, you know what? I lack. And Tim lacks, and Patrick lacks, and Brian lacks, and AJ lacks, and Jim lacks, and, and, and Donovan lacks, and, and, and Chuck lacks, and all of us. We need Keith lacks, Bob lacks. All of us need one another. We need to band together to be what Christ wants us to be. That's why you're here this morning. I hope be a part of something bigger, something greater. Be a part of the fatherhood. Got my St. John's Bay on. 
or whatever. What do you say? No, Dockers. It was St. John's Bay was up here, right? Got my clip for my piece. My ride's only 42-inch wide deck, though. Um, anyway, the third, the third definition is the qualities or spirit of a father. I like that. Because we, there's a father in heaven who's already given us a spirit. He wants certain qualities to be implanted in us. He wants certain things to, to happen. Uh, the World English Dictionary says this, 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 the state or responsibility of being a father. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the qualities and the spirit of our Heavenly Father, some, some things He's going to We're going to talk about the responsibility of being a dad or being a, uh, again, it goes right back to, to being a part of the kingdom because we are all called alongside of other people. And these things that apply to parenthood apply to our Christian walk, apply to our life in the kingdom, apply to us being used in the hands of God for a greater good. You as a father and, and your family are there in God's mind for the greater good of your family. I realize in some of our family circumstances, situations, and our experience, that does not translate. But that was God's goal, and that was God's heart, and that was God's mind towards a family. Now, the funny thing was, this morning, I got up, and I, 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 I forgot to do something yesterday. And the funny thing was, I was in town like three times. So I get up at 7.30 this morning. I, I was up way before that, actually. But at 7.30, it hits me like, dude, I forgot to go. Uh-oh. And so I take off to town. I, I call Mary Moore. She covers prayer meeting for me. I run to town. funny thing was, I normally wouldn't be in the car at this time of the morning. I'm driving out back out after being to town. I'm driving towards the church. And there's this thing on, on 104.9, that, that particular river station. I don't know how many of them there are now. There's a bunch of river stations. And they do this thing called Keeping the Faith is, 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 a, is a show they do on Sunday mornings. And they, they give inspirational stories, and they play Christian music during the course of it. And so I was on my way out to the church. I was listening to that. And there's a movie coming out in September that's made by the same guys who did, like, Fireproof and Facing the Giants and Flywheel and that. And it's called Courageous. And it is about fatherhood. It's gonna be—I'm I, I, looking really forward to it. it. Has to do with the life of a, of a, of a, of a police officer. And um, casting crowns does the title track for the song for the for the for the for the, for the, for the soundtrack. And they had Mark Hall, this lead singer of Casting Crowns, on the radio this morning. He was talking about it. And so I was listening. To it. First time I ever heard the song. I would have never been in the car. Here's a song about fatherhood. I would have, if I, if I would have had my brains about me yesterday while I was in town, I wouldn't have even been in the car. But somehow God gives me selective memory. My wife doesn't consider that a gift, but this morning that was a gift. Okay? And so I'm in the car, at the time I wouldn't only be in the car, I hear this song, and I was putting together the message this week, and this one piece of scripture kept going over and over in my heart and my mind, and I thought, that's not really, that really has nothing to do with, I mean, I'm trying to find something that has, you know, shoots right in the, Right, right at fatherhood, you know. I mean, just something. That, I'm like that. Really, did. and I'm listening to this song. It's about fatherhood. It's about this movie how to do the fatherhood. And the bridge of this song is this piece of scripture that really doesn't have anything to do with fatherhood. That I'm gonna. It's gonna be our text for today. Sierra was in the car with me. She went to town with me this morning, and she she's like, "What's wrong, Dad?" I'm like, "I'm just tore up because Jesus is good. I shouldn't even be in the car." And, there's this song, and that's my text for the message, and I, it's about fatherhood, and I'm going to preach, and I'm just, and you know, and so, you know, I think God does that. I believe, I believe completely the scriptures from beginning to end, and I'm trying to discover more about them. I've, the more I find out about that, this, this book and the words of God, the more I find out I don't know, but I found out you can absolutely take it to the bank. I believe Psalm 37, 23, and 24. 
It says the steps of a godly man are ordered of the Lord. He delights in every detail of his life. Though he make a wrong decision, though he stumble, he'll not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his right hand. Me and my dumbness. Brain cells scattered every place on the planet. Forgetting to go to take care of business yesterday. Find myself in a car so that Jesus can speak to me and say, Aaron, you're right on the right track. Is that crazy? You think I'm nuts, don't you? I absolutely believe that. What are the chances? Never heard the song. Never did. Goodness gracious. It has absolutely. So here we're we're going to launch off into Micah Micah chapter 6, verse 8. I referred to it last week. We'll go there again. Scriptures say, Know, O people. Right before this, he's asked a question about their, what, what, what things God uh, requires people to live by. It says, know, O people, in the New Living Translation. Several other translations, King James, New King James, I think NIV, say, know, O man. Dad, man. Guy. Dude. Father. Papa. Daddy. No, know this. No, 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 he's answering a question. Don't realize, don't, don't worry about what everybody else has required of you. Don't live by those. No, not those. This, okay? The Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he, God, requires of you. To do what is right, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. This thing of doing what's right. Something about it's action. We, we cannot be passive in this thing called the kingdom. We cannot be passive in our families. We cannot be passive in our relationships. We cannot be, there, there's, there's action required. And this, this do justly, do justice, it's not just about there's a difference between exercising judgment and being judgmental. Huge difference. Exercising good judgment and being judgmental are two different things. Although, in a lot of ways, they one's just an overemphasis of the other, taken out of context. Because to do justly, to do justice, talks about a regulation. There is a requirement. There's a prescription, a, a specification. There is uh, something spoken or a, wor- or, a, or a regulation written that is a command to be obeyed. See, real justice, real doing justly is not just, oh, that's the law, do it, or don't do it. It's knowing the heart and the mind of God and acting upon that. See, it's not just about this, 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 this black and, it is black and white, don't get me wrong. It's not just about a code of, of, of conduct. Because we, we want to concentrate on the things you don't do. Isn't that right? Don't, isn't that, when we start measuring our Christianity, we say stuff like this. I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't go with girls that do. Right? And all of a sudden we're qualifying where we are. Right? But see, what we fail to remember is there are things we do that are sin. And there are things that we don't do that become sin because we don't do them. The Bible says for a man to know to do right and to not do it, it is what? Sin. So we're not just talking about the don't do's, we're talking about the do do's. That didn't come out right, did it? 
the do do's. The things you should do. Okay? There's a prescription for every circumstance. There's a specification for everything your family faces. There's a, there's, a, there's a thing in the heart of God that says this is the right answer. There's something going on. And, and here, this law, this, this, see, in, 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 in the Old Testament, Moses you know, went up to the, to the mountain. God inscribed with his finger the law. Remember that? The Ten Commandments. And in Jeremiah... God promises us this, that he'll take that law that's written on hard tablets of stone and he'll literally make them a part of us. He will write his law on our hearts. See, Dad, it's not just about the hardcore things, the the black and white stuff you want to jump on your kids for doing it's about the things you ought to be doing as a father it's about the 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 things that are overlooked it's about it's about this becoming not just a, a, a book of regulation it's about this thing becoming life to us it, it, it talks about look at that next piece of the puzzle there it's a custom, it's a practice, it's a, a behavior which is more or less fixed and accepted as normal. There should be things about us as Christian men, there should be things about us as Christian people that, that are abnormal to everybody else, but become our custom, become our normal way of doing things. Because of this law that's written on our heart, this, this thing that's written on the inside of us, that it's not only the things that we don't do, it's the things that we do do that, clarif- that, that, cl- that really classifies us. It's that works that Jesus talked about that caused us to be a light shining in the darkness, a city set on a hill that the people around us will see our good works, the Scriptures say, and glorify our Father in heaven. Today, God's asking us to make that jump from not just passive Christianity, but active Christianity. It's not just about what we don't do. It's about what we get to do. It's about what we get to be. It's the actions we get to take. The things that, 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 that empower other people and influence and impact them for the kingdom and the goodness and the love of God. The funny thing about this right action stuff is Jesus, he anticipates you already know what those answers are. He really does. Yeah, look at Luke 11. Verse 11 says this, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Or He says, of course not. Look at this next line. So if you sinful, imperfect, don't have your act together, got problems and issues, if you know how to do, you, he implies that you know already. See, right here today, some of you are thinking, I have got a lot of bad road behind me that has to do with my dad. i got a lot of bad road behind me that has to do with my own ability to be a dad. i got a lot of bad... And you know already sitting here this morning what the right course of action is. A few weeks ago, we did Wednesday nights where we did, a, we did some video curriculum by Andy Stanley. And he talked about this thing called the best question ever. And he said... It's about making wise decisions. I mean, and he, he, he just, 
Andy Stanley has an amazing ability to grab you at the beginning and not let go of you. And so he keeps telling you to ask this question, what's, what's the wise thing to do? Every, every message, for five messages, what's the wise thing to do? And then the last, the last message in the series was called The Best Decision Ever. And he, then he just, he, just hit, he just hit us in the mouth like that. He said, you know what's funny about this whole thing we've done for five weeks? Many of you, before you ever asked the question, what's the wise thing to do, you already knew what it was. And many of us sitting here today maybe have a sour taste in our mouth about family, about fatherhood, about life. And you know what? Before I even utter these words, you know what the remedy to that is. Maybe it's an extension of forgiveness to a dad who was just as awful as they could be. Maybe for you today, you know, dad, is, I need to spend more time at home. Time to stop being passive and being active to judge rightly what the heart and the mind of God is and to act upon it. We, we talked about Planned Parenthood in, in May, and this still very much applies. We talked about Proverbs 22 6, and it says these words direct your children on the path. It says direct your children on the right path. Solomon's even inferring that we know already what the right path is. And God has a plan for each of our children. God has a plan for each of those people in our lives that he is intending to use us in to help direct them where they're going. He intends for us to do that. Uh, we talked about some very practical things about your time. We talked about discipline. and We, we talked about making memories. And well, You can go back. It was the third, the third of the message, like, like May 22nd or something. You can go back and listen on the, on the, on the net. Um, there's a message there. and You can catch up with it. Fatherhood. fatherhood. We talked about forgiveness last week, the other F word, which is hard to come by sometimes. Hard to dish out, hard to receive. We talk about it compounding, but fatherhood, good fatherhood, compounds just like forgiveness does. There's a piece of scripture in Exodus 34 that reads like this. It says this, I lavish unfailing love, listen to this, to thousands of generations. You know how he does that? This is God speaking. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. You know what he's saying here? A father, a person who maybe has a long line of what Jim said a minute ago, crap back there, a long line of just stuff. The moment they yield to me and they seek forgiveness and they find a place of repentance, they find that the cycle begins to change. And what, what happens in that moment is not just one generation, not just two generations, not just 20 years or 40 years, not just 50 or 60, not just a century, even a thousand generations are affected in that moment. The flip side of that, he goes on to say is, but, there's always a but there somewhere, but... I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents on their children and grandchildren. Their entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. That seems like a weird place to leave it, doesn't it? But I want to, I want to weigh something out for you. The lavish, loving grace of God lasts for a thousand generations. Even the worst of your mess-ups only lasts for three or four but it lasts beyond your life. So what am I saying? Today is the day to act. If you want to influence your lineage from this point on, today is a day to act. Refusal to act keeps that other cycle going for three or four more generations. Choosing to act causes this cycle to be changed 
and even a thousand generations are affected. A thousand of your biological generations, a thousand of generations in the kingdom. Because each of us should be a father, a mother to someone who's come to Christ. And then we should have spiritual grandchildren and spiritual great-great-grandchildren and spiritual great-great-great-grandchildren. And it should just go on off in every direction. It's like dropping a pebble in the pond. And when that thing hits, the ripples go on and on and on, taking right action. The next thing he tells us to do has to do with another A word. He says to love mercy, to express affection. Some of us dads, we struggle with this one. Affection is hard to come by for some of us. And, and, and this word love mercy, this word mercy uh, means to, to have loyal love. John 3.16 is the best example of that. Because the scriptures say, for God so planned. He was a great planner. So he planned to give his son. For God so loved that he provided. For God so loved that he, God so loved, right, that he gave. God, loyal love that goes beyond anything and everything. God is our example to follow. The fatherhood of God teaches us where to go, what to do. The love of God gave to us. That we, that's how we even have access to the kingdom. He showed it to us. It's talking about unfailing love of kindness. It talks about devotion. It talks about, this is a, a direct definition from, from one of the Bible history, love or affection. Because sometimes we think we, can, we, we love people, but we don't have to show affection. Well, they know. A few weeks ago, I had a person in my office come kind of an impromptu meeting. Um, we sat there together, and as we sat there, they were going through some things in their, in their family, um, extended family, not just their immediate family. Just in, and we were talking, and I said, "Why do you think that is?" And we started probing a little deeper questions, and big tears went up in their eyes. Oh, no place I get this response. I have never heard. I'm talking like a 40-year-old person, adult, been out of their house. I have never heard my dad. Say, I love you. I have never really experienced a heartfelt hug, a, a kiss, anything at all that makes me feel like my dad even, I mean, he provided for us. He, we had a house. We had a home. We, and they're in my office, and they are bawling like a baby because of why? Because a dad did not express affection in any way, shape, or form. This comes easy for me. I don't know why. I'm not down anybody else because it doesn't. I just realize we're all different. And I love to love my kids. I walk up to my little boys. I'll grab them by the cheeks. I lay a big fat one. And they love it, and I love it. And I'll look at them, and I'll go, "Don't you dare give one of my kisses away to your mom. Don't you dare do it." And you know what that's like. Dad, 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 dad. Come on. Come on. They just beg me to come over and try and stop them. You know what I mean? You know what I'm doing? I'm teaching them it's okay for a guy to love and show affection. I'm teaching them it's great to show affection to the woman that God's placed in your life. We went to a, a, a about mm, 
2011 years ago, we went to a, a youth pastors conference up in, up in Columbus at Grove City National Church. And Josh McDowell was there speaking and encouraged us as youth pastors. He said, you know what the, one of the greatest things you can do for, for, your, for your, the, the people in your youth ministry is? He said, most of them come from broken homes. If they have a dad at the house, he's absent in some way, shape, or form. And, and they need security and they need hope. One of the best things you can do is be a married couple in front of those kids that God's entrusted you with. He said, if I were you, I'd love on my wife right in front of those kids. I'd hug her. I'd hold her hand. I'd give her a kiss. And I'd make them know that, 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 that your family life is stable because that will breed security into them like you wouldn't believe. So my, my wife and I took full advantage of that. We, we, we'd go on youth trips and we'd have like this, you know, don't, no, not too close. Hey, 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 hey. You know, no, no PDA and all that kind of stuff. And they go, well, you guys. I said, uh-huh. I have a license to do that. And that's completely appropriate, and that's completely okay, and it's the way things are supposed to be. And we just loved each other in front of them. We do it with our own kids. I come, I walk up to my, kid, I walk up to my, walk to my wife, and the kids will be right now. I'll grab her like this. Come on, baby. Let me do it in front of you guys. And I'll go, you know what? You have the best mom on the whole planet, and I love her. And I'll mm, right in front of them in the kitchen. And they're like, Dad, come on. Especially the girls. Come on, Dad. Knock that off. But you know what? It's important. A strong man can love and love deeply, man. I'm an affectionate dude. I love this guy right here. And I don't mind who's here. I will hug him. Now, we don't kiss, all right? Huh? But I, <laughs> I don't mind. We'll text each other during the week. and It ain't, it ain't, an off, it ain't, it ain't very, very uh, uncommon for it to get at the end of it. Dude, I love you, bro. I love you, too. And you know what? We're going to be that until we die. You know why? Because it's okay. And it's not gross. And it's not wimpy. True men love to the nth degree. The women, the children, and the other guys God's put in their life. If Jesus didn't love you like that, none of us would be here. So it's not gross and it's not ugly. Are you hearing me? Anyhow. Love mercy. The other thing is it's based on a prior relationship. Some of us can't love because you know what? We have a poor example. We're basically how we love on the example that was before us. But see, here's the problem with that. Many of us raised our hands a minute ago talking about we were followers of Jesus. But see, we've been, we've, we've, been, we've been adopted. We are out of the family we grew up with. And a new daddy has adopted us. Now, every relationship from that point on is affected by that relationship. And so the connection to God is the basis for all, every one of the relationships we have else in, our, in life. Based on a prior, our connection to God should be the relationship that all others are based on. And so I can love Patrick like that. You know why? Because it's about Jesus and his love between us. It's like David and Jonathan. I can love my wife like Jesus loved the church. You know why? Because his love is in me. I can love my children the way God the Father loves each of us. You know why? Because his love is in me. Everything else I do is based on that connection right there. That's why I can show love and mercy. Listen to these words. John 14, 9. I'm going to ask if you guys can, can you, can you ask your, can you, can you say this? Jesus said, I've been with you all this time, Philip. You still don't know who I am? Now listen to this next line. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. If Jesus lives on the inside of us, I realize we're not perfect. I realize things aren't all together like they ought to be. 
But can you look at your children, your grandchildren? Can you look at that kid you adopted from the neighborhood who's just running around like a chicken with his head cut off, getting into your stuff and walking in while you're doing stuff in the garage? And can you look at him and go, you've seen me, you've, you've seen him. If the Jesus who uttered those words lives inside of us, why, why, why can't we? Why can't we love the way he loved? Why can't we give the way he gives? Why can't we forgive the way he forgave? If, can we say, if you've seen me, you get a good glimpse of what he looks like. That's the challenge before us today. In our expressions of affection, in our conduct doing justly, that's, that's the real question. Can, do, do, can you see the Father? Can I, can I encourage you? You're looking at me. You're looking at him. I don't think, I'm not in some new age doobly-goo where I think we can all be God. Don't get me wrong. But I do believe this. He comes to live on the inside of me. And he affects everything that I do. Everything that I am. Every way I look at life. Every perception that I have is affected by him. So I should be able to say, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We're known for being the strong guy. When was the last time? Let me ask you this question. I just thought it affected you. When was the last time you had to discipline your kids or your grandkids or the neighbor kid? <laughs> Anybody had to discipline a neighbor kid lately? Lately? Um, I have had to do that. I've had to do that recently, so I just thought it kind of, it kind of made me chuckle. And uh, I didn't really, you know, I didn't, I didn't spank him or anything. I just thought, dude, you, gotta, dude, you don't do that. You, know? you, don't, you don't do that. When was the last time in a, in a, you've disciplined them, that you've made the correction, and not made out of anger, but realized it needed to be done, and then when it was all over, went, you know what? I love you. And you've messed up, and you've messed up royal, but you know what? That does not change anything about us. And hug that kid, and smooch on him, you know what? We're just going to keep going. You know why you should be able to do that? Because that's what God does with you. He'll discipline us. He'll correct us. And we'll go, you know what? You're the best. I'm so glad I'm your dad. He pours out grace we don't deserve and joy unspeakable and, and peace that pass understanding. He just grabs us and goes like that. We should be able to do that. Think about it. I try to. As soon as I can, as soon as we've had an issue at our house, I try and grab my kids and go, you know what? I love you anyway. This doesn't change us at all. We're going on. We'll get it right next time. Let's walk together. The other thing is this, we should walk humbly before our God. This requires still more action and more affection because it's about doing something and it's about love. It's about affection. It's about our relationship with someone. To, to, to walk humbly means to show a humble action, to act carefully, to act in a manner respectful. Listen to these words respectful and careful of another's direction. It implies wise behavior. See, this, this, this is like what Andy, Andy Sennett said in that series we did on Wednesday nights. It's not just about right or wrong at this point. It's about wise. Because something can be right but not be wise. Something can be legally okay but start a, tra a, traje a trajectory and a, and, a, and a course of events that just aren't good. And so what we're doing here, worship when was the last time, we want to ask this question, when was the last time anybody saw you worship the Lord, anybody who's, who, who, who you're supposed to be an example to, your wife, your children? 
Because we think of worship as this. Not really that, but you know what I mean, right? This is, in our minds, this is worship. But worship is way beyond that. This is just a segment of a service. Worship is our lifestyle. And so he says to walk humbly means to act in such a way that we consider the lives of other people to, to, to behave wisely. Because most of us are like, like that. We want to, you guys are like me, aren't you? The speed limit says 65. And Pastor Eric told me that his brother-in-law Dave told him that they give us a five-mile-per-hour grace period, the troopers do. So if that's the case, I got, I got at least 69, dude. So I'm going to go right there. And never mind that it's pouring down the rain, the wind's howling like crazy. I might be justified and all right to go right to that line because I don't want to get busted. But is that really the wise thing to do, right? Are you hearing me? It has to do with, the, it has to do with our customs, our, our, our behavior. It has to do with consistency and our pattern before God, before them, those God's around us. It has to do with our confession. It has to do with our worship. It has to do with our lifestyle. In 1 Corinthians 4, Paul writes these words, For if you were to have countless tutors, teachers, see, we, we want to make good proclamations. We want to give good information. But the real thing we don't need is necessarily information. We need somebody who will come alongside of us with the right information and live life with us. And so Paul goes on to say, yet you would not have many, let's this next word, fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I exalt you. Be imitators of me. He said, it's not just good enough just to have a teacher. You need a father figure. You need somebody who's walked this path before you, knows maybe a little more about something than you know. You grab them by the hand, and you walk through life. So I can sit right here in the lecture style. Done it. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. And if you, do, if you get that done, then you go over here and do this, and it's good. I can walk away. But if I take her and go, come on, babe. Now, see, if I were you, I would do this because you know what? Once you make that step, if, you gotta consider this next one. See, once we got there, then there's this there's other thing to consider, and we just kind of step together and we walk through life. That was my kids. I help them. We sit down. I just tell them this right and wrong. I go, you know why that's right? You know why that's wrong? You know why I told you not to do that? And I sit down with them at a table. We eat together. We share life. So even in the kingdom, we don't need necessarily more teachers. We need more spiritual moms. We need more spiritual dads. We need people who are just going to get into life with people and just walk with them and say, you know what? This is the right wrong. This is the good information. But here's why it's good. And here's how it works. And this is what I do. This is how you do it. And if you, do, if you follow that pattern, I promise me, because it's the, I promise you, because it's the word of God, it's going to work. Imitate what you see me doing. What you, if somebody's not close to them, see how you are? I mean, if, if, if AJ's here and Jim's sitting back there and they're getting good information, you can sit down, babe. AJ's never going to know what a good Christian looks like because they're just sitting receiving information together. Now, if Jim comes up and goes, hey, AJ, man, you want to come to our men's breakfast. It's the last Saturday of the month. Okay, Jim's in charge of that. And he begins to walk alongside of AJ, makes a phone call, reminds him to come to the men's breakfast, does that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, AJ's got some problems. He goes, you know, Jim, I really appreciate the fact that you, oh, that's good. See what I'm saying? So you, you, you become a father figure. Let me, it's not just teachers of father. Let them, let them hear and see you pray by yourself, with their mom, where the case applies, with them, 
Let them see that. We're not, we don't want people to let in on that, that part of our lives sometimes. Let them see you worship. There should be nothing for guys who love Jesus to throw all their guts into him in the middle of a worship service and to see the grace and the power of God at work. There should be nothing to see a guy live out a lifestyle of sacrifice for the good of someone else. That's true worship unto God. Let them see you in the Word. I, 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 this is sitting up here for a reason. Number one, so it won't bug me. Number two, because I, I got this Bible done on my, on, my, on my phone. My little son, Eric, every time he sees me with this thing out, he's got to have it going, Dad, you reading your Bible? You reading your Bible? Because he's seen me enough with this that he automatically presumes. He's asked me questions. Dad, what are you doing? I'm, I'm reading my Bible. And he just got used to Every time he just he just naturally assumes that's that's what dad's doing. That's that's I'm not always doing that. I mean I, I got other things in here too, but he 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 presumes he's seen me do it enough that he goes, that's just what dad does. You, know, you get what I'm saying? We can alter, we can we can spread that lavish love to a thousand generations. If we'll but walk humbly before God, if we'll but act in loving mercy, and we will but do justly, we can alter that and change. Let me say something else. It's okay, Dad, to confess faults. It's okay, Christian leader, Christian friend, Christian brother. It's okay. We have a lot of fractured families. And a lot of reasons we have fractured families is because we're not honest enough. Dad messes up. The whole family knows Dad messed up. Everybody in the, in the house knows dad goofed it up big time. Dad stands like this. Never, I shouldn't have done that. Never, I'm sorry. Never, I love you anyway. James 5.16 says this, confess your faults one to the other. And if we want our heal, healing to start, it's to start our houses. It says that you might be healed. Then the prayer, the, the effective prayer of a righteous person avails much. And so we want power to be in our house. Dad, it's okay to say, you know, I really came home with a sorry attitude yesterday. And I realized I didn't really realize what all you were doing. And, and I didn't ask enough questions. I just kind of went off. And that was really wrong. And I, I was not the example to follow at that moment. I, would you please forgive me? I am, I, I was goofy. That will go so far in the life and the heart of your in the life and the heart of your wife. In the life and the heart of that disciple who thinks you live right next to Jesus because your life appears to be perfect and you've got it all together. And they realize suddenly, dude, you, they need Jesus just as much as I do. And walk in authenticity and genuineness, being real and honest. If you have that nasty, sour taste in your mouth, let me because of your father, your fatherhood or because of the fatherhood of someone else in your life who misused you, abused you, hurt you. Listen to these words from Isaiah 63. Surely you are still our father. I love it because there's an exclamation point there. It's such an emphatic statement. It says, even if Abraham and Jacob, and this is significant, you know why? Because they're talking biology right now. Even if our physical parents, even if our biological dad, even if those who are closest to us abandon us, even if they do that, listen to these words, even if, you would dis, even if they would disown us, Lord, you will still be our Father. 
You are our redeemer from ages past. God wants to redeem that stuff back there. He wants to redeem you. It makes no difference what happened back there, what family members left you, what church leaders hurt you. It makes no difference. Those figures who have messed it up and they, 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 they've flown the coop on you or done whatever, God says, listen, I'm not going anywhere. I will never disown you. I will never harm you. I am with you to the end. I will redeem all of that stuff. Isn't that awesome? Jesus says, I come to show you the Father. And the Father has such great love for you that he stretched out his arms and we, we, I hung on a cross and I love you because I love you because there was problem and there was sin that was expressed sin that was acted upon and sin that lived in your heart and today I'm redeeming that I'll give to you a spot in my family I'll adopt you as real sons and daughters I will redeem that stuff. You don't have to worry about what's back to him. It's time to stop fresh and new and look towards heaven and eternity. You know something else I'd encourage you? You really want to celebrate Father's Day? Let's celebrate by acting on the character of our Father. I ended with Luke, the book of Luke last week. Let's look at that again and think about what God wants from us. The best celebration of Father's Day. Luke 6, verse 27. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others you'd like them to do to you. And he goes on and said, if you, just, if you do for other, the same things people are doing for you, you know, that's no credit. Verses 32 through 34 says, what, what good is that? But verse 35 says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you'll truly be acting as children of the right family, of the Most High God, of the Heavenly Father. For, the, for He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. He said, you must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Talking about your Heavenly Father. Today, you sit here. Let's celebrate Father's Day in this capacity. Let's understand there's a Father who wants to redeem our past, who wants to overtake our present, and give us a path to walk on for our future. Let's walk with Him. Secondly, let's celebrate Father's Day really. Some of you know what the right thing is to do. You've been driven today all week long. Because you've just dread that family get encourage you, be what Luke 6 says, and bless those who brought cursing into your life. Pray for them. Give to them even what they don't deserve because that's being, because he's good to those who are unthankful and to those who are wicked. Be compassionate as your Father in heaven is compassionate. Some of you dads, I said this at the beginning, the end of the first, last service, it's coming off the top of the head, but some of you dads, you know what you need to do? You need to be the, that acting righteously, that doing righteously thing with your kids today. There's an event that has gone on in your, in your life that your kids definitely need to see you act upon it. Maybe it's pulling into the driveway of the neighbor who you've had a, skiff, a scuffle with over something. And before you eat family dinner, you pull the minivan, the 
can't use Twitter's splash pad or whatever. When you sit down with your family, you leave an indelible impression on the lives of your kids and pour into that driveway and go knock on that door and say, you know what? I have been a total jerk to you. We've got this problem and I, want, I don't want this backyard scuffle to go any further. Will you forgive me? I want you to know I've forgiven you. Watch your, let your kids watch you do that from the van. That would be a great celebration of Father's Day. That would be an amazing impression to leave. That would be being like your Father in heaven. See, if we just talk about it here, we go about our ways, we don't act upon these things, they never become written on our heart where they need to be. Going on a mission trip changes you because you act upon the Word of God. It, it leaves a pressure, an impression on the inside of you that you cannot get away from. And today, Dad, today, child, today, Mom, today, discipler, today, person who's following Christ, the best celebration of Father's Day would be this, to offer forgiveness or to ask for it. The best celebration would be to bless those who curse you, to give to those who don't deserve it, to do something like that. Today, some of you are left with that sour taste. Let's reverse the trend. Let's stop the cycle of those third and fourth generation cursings, and let's start the cycle of lavish love for a thousand generations. You want to go there with me? Let's go be that. Jesus, we look around this room. God, you know the hearts of every person. God, everyone from the front to the back, God, you know all about it. God, you know some of them are sitting here today just enjoying that chocolatey, milk chocolate, caramel cookie all mushed around their mouth they think about fatherhood. And God, you know those who right now today are like Tim, stuck with that sour stuff in their teeth. They can't seem to remove it. It's just there. God, I pray that you would give us, each of us the ability to grab a hold of your fatherhood. God, to take the good examples of fatherhood and take it to the next level. To take the bad examples of fatherhood and leave it in the past and follow you to the end of the road. Jesus, I pray, God, your grace and your power and your strength would be extended to every home, every life. God, for those who are just brokenhearted because of a dad or the lack thereof or, or whatever, God, I pray, Jesus, you would take the brokenness of their heart. They would see that you are the, the father who does justly. You are the, the father who loves mercy and is affectionate towards them. You are the father, God, who humbly comes before them and shows them the path to walk in. God, I pray, Jesus, they would know that and they would live that. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, you would implant in us such love and such grace and such strength that we can be those things. The glory of our Father in heaven. God, we bless you and we honor you. You are our Father. You have not disowned us. You have redeemed us from a past of hurt and ugliness. You redeemed us from the, our sin. And Jesus, we rejoice in you today in fatherhood. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Today, I'm not going to look around or anything like that, but if you're just struggling with some capacity of doing justly or loving mercy or walking humbly, if you, if you are struggling because of your failure as a father or the failures of your own father or something, just right now where you sit, just extend your hands toward your Heavenly Father. Just like a child running to their dad, just reach up and say, God, I, I need you to help me, to heal me, to touch me. 
place in these hands and in these hearts and these homes and these lives. Apply your touch to them right now. Those who are broken beyond words that can describe. Every time they think they're healed, they find that they're not. Some garbage just comes up every few days. They can't get away from it. God, I pray for a final dose of healing for them. They can be holy and well. God, for those dads who feel challenged to, to do justly, to stop being passive. For those who feel challenged, God, today to, to walk in affection and love and mercy and to walk humbly in confession and some other way, capacity, God, whatever. I pray, Jesus, you would meet them, you would empower them, you would strengthen them. God, for those who don't know you as Father, I pray they'd feel your embrace today. They'd come running to you. They'd let your love cover all of their darkness, all of their sin their stuff. God, they'd find they have a home to come home to in Jesus. God, for those who are hurting because their dad is they're no longer around. They've passed on. They're in heaven with you, God. I just pray a special touch of healing and strength and life for them today, God. I pray there's a, a vacant place at the table. There'd be fullness of joy in their hearts, God. And peace to pass their understanding. from them. I thank you for that. I pray your blessing on them. Great, awesome name. Amen. Amen. Do me a favor.